0: Americans begin what many believe will be a volatile and crucial election season. Number one, immigration. Number two, inflation are the top concerns in the 2024 elections. Top of the broadcast, economic forecaster, New York Times best-selling author, Harry Dent. Harry explains the Feds have overplayed their hands with inflation and the economy. Home buying, energy costs and inflation are driving those concerns. And then Texas Governor Greg Abbott says Texas is prepared in the unlikely event that President Biden federalizes the National Guard as the standoff over the southern border heats up. Former Director of U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Tom Holman joins us on the battle at the border. Which brings us to election security and voter suppression. Author Seth David Radwell talks about secure elections and how both political sides share in the blame. How do we fix this American schism? The viewpoint this Sunday is next.
1: to put away the bias, the lies, and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This
0: is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday, It is indeed Malcolm out here. Surely inflation is on everybody's mind. But the other one that has actually even surpassed it today is immigration. It is such a catastrophe in our country that uh, Americans have put that as actually the number one issue facing them and the way they will vote in the 2024 elections. That is quite uh, shocking. Uh, But what is equally shocking is when you see what's happening at the border and what has uh, really turned a lot of people off. Uh, It's become a very hot political season, as always, friends. We're going to take on both of these issues here. Uh, Join us in the next segment will be Tom Homan, the former director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. But we're going to start here with Harry Dent. He joins me here, and he's an economic forecaster and New York Times bestselling author. Uh, Harry has had his uh, fingers on the pulse of our uh, economy and uh, with what's happening uh harrydent.com is a free newsletter there the hs dent forecast you can kind of get a sense of what's happening uh so harry let's let's start let me give a sense here to folks first um more voters are pointing to immigration right now than even inflation that's a top policy policy concern inflation is number two and this is according to a harvard caps uh, harris poll that was just re- uh, just released Uh, The survey found that 35 percent of respondents listed immigration as their paramount concern among an array of issues with inflation, a very close second by 32. So they're neck and neck, basically. And that's always the case with the economy. Um, And uh, so we'll get more into all of these issues. But let's start with uh, the the conversation of inflation and the economy as, as a whole. What what do you see with inflation right now? It seems like we're getting reports some months. It's kind of tempered down and other months it's still escalating up. What do you see here?
2: Yeah, well, it, it has come down a lot, but it is showing to be sticky getting from, say, that 4% that we got too easy, um, you know, with all this tightening by the Fed um, and, and 2% where they want it. So so that is a problem but the biggest problem i see malcolm the fed really blew it on this i mean they're supposed to understand you're supposed to take your lump in the midterm so the president can do well and the people in power can do well in the real election and Mm -hmm. what they did was they got covid and what they did with covid they 5.25 trillion dollars in two years that's that's 50% fifty percent more stimulus than they did in all the years since two thousand nine before to keep this dead economy going after the baby boomers stop spending and the millennials are yet to just come. And and so so that's really a strategic mistake. They overreacted to COVID. And then because of that, they suddenly, now now inflation had been coming down. This is something, Malcolm, Mm -hmm. I've been forecasting Mm -hmm. back since my first books in the early 90s that inflation was going to fall as workforce entry slowed because the baby boom all got in there. And workforce is the biggest correlation with inflation. And
0: there's not even a close second. Harry, where do you want normally inflation? Where do we normally want a 2%?
2: Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. What? Two percent is kind of the optimum because two percent shows inflation's coming. Because you always have to invest when you're growing. You always have to invest in in infrastructures to keep growing, and you and those those investments come and then pay off over time. So inflation tends to be healthy in the kind of the 1% to 2% range. Right. You get too high when so many right. baby boomers were entering right. the workforce suddenly, young and not productive yet. That's what caused the inflation okay. in the 70s. And it had right. had little to do with government deficits. All right.
0: so, the, the, so the feds, and that is my sense, I think a lot of people can feel that as well, that they've overplayed their hand big time. You bring up an interesting point that usually these these cats are very strategic in nature, the ones that are in power. It's a it's a very valid point. And they play it to that T win or lose for the country. I mean, no matter how much pain they play it, so they win that next election. So they kind of screwed up here in the fact that they have overplayed the hand. uh, And but the feds are still saying they want that inflation down that two percent, as you say. Of course, it's not as high as seven, seven, eight percent where it was. It was pretty high. How, but how do they? I mean, we see the how we see the housing market. We see the rest of the economy is sputtering along, uh, but people are shocked that this thing hasn't tipped over already. And I'm seeing tons of reports about that. I mean, it's eye opening that the American people have been able to so far uh, keep this economy sustained. Can that go on much longer?
2: Well, you know, I, I think um, that the consumers are getting a bit spent out here, and and again, they're easily to quickly get it down to the three to four percent range, right. but, but it is showing sticky for now. It will eventually in back. The long term rate of inflation really is one to two percent, and I've been forecasting that forever. If it weren't for this COVID spike, it would have never gone up to nine point one percent. You
0: know, hold on. I, w- I want to say to you when you talked about the money they spent, the trillions, the five-plus plus trillions just in that two-year period, and—and you—you—you're exactly right. When they did that, uh, I'm—I'm I'm just thinking here a minute, Harry. These are people who can't help themselves. They spend to—I mean, they spend from the moment they wake up in the morning until the night closes. I mean, these people. This is the way they think. It's the way they act. Do you think they considered all of this here? I mean, and the feds as well, or did they just... I mean, I really don't understand it. Or did they just really rolled the die on this and think they could pull this over on the head.
2: We we, got to go back and see how unusual it's been. The problem is, is the government and the Fed, Federal Reserve, doesn't even understand what drives the economy, okay? It is generational cycles of spending, which are very predictable. Baby boom from 83 to 2007. Greatest boom in history. Why have we been living off of money printing on one side and government deficits? So so the government deficits are the fiscal side and the money printings that just literally injected Money in, and that's about one third money printing since 2008, two thirds deficits. They've been doing this to stimulate an economy that naturally went down in between generations. And here the millennials are just about to start their and spending, which should be positive. But we've got all this debt that they never cleared out from the baby boom because they kept stimulating. See, the the economy likes to have a recession now and then. It's like we need to sleep six or eight hours after being awake 16 or 18. The economy does that. For a reason, recessions are not the enemy. They shouldn't be run away. But they look at them that way.
0: They look at them that way. But they look at them that way,
2: and that's the mistake. What happened was these guys got covid You got to realize the Federal Reserve has already been printing money, and the government been running nonstop deficits since the 2008 downturn. And when they, when in 2009, when they first put the first trillion in, and 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 they thought, oh, that should be enough to just get this thing rolling again. Well, the reason the Fed panicked with COVID because they've been stimulating the economy for 13 years and can't get it out of the rut. And like thinking, oh my gosh, if COVID brings it down too much, we're going to go into a depression right that's why they owe
0: over- yeah but there's that harry but there's but let's not lose sight also is that you also have a political party in there that just loves to spend to spend i mean there's that but then there's i don't think they can help themselves frankly i just
2: no 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 and it, and it's true and i hate to say it. it's it, it's 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 everybody does it these days but that remember what i said before oh, yeah. Yeah. 27 since 2008 That recession, the first serious recession since 80 to 82, Okay, there's been 19 trillion dollars in government deficits and and eight trillion dollars in money printing. Both of those are stimulated. They go in the county. But the deficits have been. The worst. So so it used to be the old theory was the Keynesian theory was, okay, the government runs deficits and downturns to help offset the private sector rebalancing. Okay, Mm -hmm. And that makes sense if you don't overdo it. No. Since 2008, we've had nonstop accelerating deficits and money printing. Yeah. On top of that, and that's there's a price insanity. to pay for and all so, of this. There's so the a... Fed didn't understand why the economy didn't come back strong in 2009. It's because the baby boom was done, right. and you can't just replace a whole generation's spending with just printing money out of thin air. Right. But they tried anyway, and they've been printing. Well, that's, that's the point right there. Ever. Yeah,
0: that's the sticking point to me. Uh, you know, the long-term possibilities of this. Sorry, this headline now I want to read to you here, and this corp here in NPR. Listen to this. And, and this is magnified all over the place. Many experts fear the recession. Instead, the economy has continued to soar. The U.S. economy continues to defy expectations, they say. but Now, the, nationals, the nation's gross domestic product, the broadest measure of economic activity, grew at an annual pace of 3.3% in October, November, December. So they're talking about all the positive news is particularly striking, given how much the feds have raised interest rates, because back to your moment, a point a moment ago, Harry. Back to millennials and the uh, earlier generations. I got to tell you right now, I see all the signs. They can't afford the the mortgages. They can't afford the rents. They can't afford that. That's how yeah, major. Yeah, they're impact. the
2: ones getting suffering the inflation. The baby boomers just benefit from housing crisis. Going so here's the thing, though. People talk about it, but they never get it. You have to plot out. There's lags. Okay, that right. massive five point two five trillion plus another four to five trillion in deficit. Ten trillion dollars went into the economy in, in two two years. That is the most stimulus by far ever. And then it continues to hit on a one, one and a half year lag. So, so when the inflation got started getting so bad from that, okay, then they had to turn around and tighten, but people don't get, yeah. they tightened from early 2022 into the summer of 23. And they still remained hundred percent tight at 525 basis points up. And they're thinking about another quarter or so. Mm-hmm. So that tightening will continue to hit the next year and a half into late 2024 to early 2025 so no matter what they do now if they turn around Mm -hmm. and loosen again the tightening's already hitting and the reason the the tightening is not hitting as hard is is the loosening was so Mm -hmm. strong that it's taking a while to fade so so there you're playing with fire Everybody believes in free market capitalism and nobody wants it when it kicks your ass. And Mm -hmm. that's partly why it's so good. Okay, Mm -hmm. it allows innovation to flourish, but it quickly weeds out the losers. Nobody wants to weed out the losers and governments do that. And that's why they've been overstimulating. And now they've got themselves in this mess where they went too far one way, too far the next. And, and we right. won't know how this tightening is going to hit until late this year. So and I think it's going to hit harder than people.
0: Think. So with the, with being an election year now, everything is politically, strategically political. and uh, Exactly. You know, yeah, everything. So right that's now, the problem.
2: They, the, the election year is usually better than average right. because they, they take the lumps in the midterms. Because of COVID, they did. That's what I'm saying. That was the strategic mistake that they normally don't make they usually set up the economy to do okay in the election they by doing this this over okay. uh, uh, reaction to covid and then having to tighten so much they've guaranteed that the economy's going to be All weak right. in the election and that means joe biden is dead
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, Doesn't he may have
2: a chance for my point.
0: Of he, he may be. That's a, that may be the understatement of the year. Uh, but in any event, on on multiple cycles. But listen, um, th- this point you're talking about now into the election year here. Um, So uh, the reports I'm understanding with the feds is that uh, back to the interest rates and what they're doing, uh, that they've, they've laid off what I think they've laid off of it the last couple of cycles. Right. They didn't touch them. Am, am yeah. I right on that? Right. OK. Now, that's right. There's talk now that they would begin to start to lower to be able to get people to buy these houses, and but you know again, you've got at some point you've got to let go of those strings so people back to the millennials and others that you mentioned, right? They can but start they
2: can't start. Right. Uh, they they've already flip-flopped the biggest in history, right?
0: You know um, Powell,
2: so he can't go back and flip-flop radically again. He's got to wait till clear signs of weakness, and that that's going to tell me we're already in a recession and then it's too late because remember the lag, the dreaded lag, they can right, do what they right. want and it, they're not, there's not a chance they're going to ease in the next few months. Let's say they, they ease four or five, six months from now, by then the economy could be falling into a recession. And by the time that stimulus hits, mm-hmm. well while, while the old radical tightening is still hitting harder and harder then they're going to be they're be in trouble. So they, to me, they've already blown it. If they hadn't panicked Uh, over COVID, they might could have kept the train going
0: on. I don't even Uh, and I respect what you say there, but I don't think this has anything to do in my personal opinion within COVID spending. As I've stated to you twice already, they would have found some other reason to spend this damn money because this is what they do. That political. No, no,
2: no. They've been doing ever since it's the monetary policy. That flipped well, then so I much. Agree with they they way overstimulated, then yeah, yeah, way tight. Yeah, so yeah, the deficits yeah. haven't changed, right. but the monetary policy changed All radically right. both ways, and so, that was a big mistake. So right
0: now, personal spending has is grown grown at a at annual pace of about one point nine percent. They're saying in the fourth quarter, uh, and and um, it's been modest uh, before that, but one point nine. But the biggest driver right now is the fact that Americans are spending. They're eating out of restaurants. They're buying stuff. Yep. Uh, they're traveling again because remember there was no travel through covid uh they're doing all that again in a post covid world so they're trying to get back to that normal at some point you have to wonder uh i don't know where the rubber meets the road with all that going on does do they begin to cut back on that with the fact that no, many no. of them can't afford other things to live
2: yeah i i think the biggest thing they're doing well because the economy's doing better. Well, everybody thought we'd have a recession by now, almost. And so the consumers are just kind of like a little bit high and, and not very discriminating right now. I think what's going to happen is this raise in interest rates is going to hit housing the hardest. That is the biggest sector of the economy when you add it all up. And if housing starts to if they start to lay off workers and stop building houses and housing prices start to go down, that's that's people's Well, hold on a moment. Why hasn't now.
0: that happened Oh, al- uh, Stop a moment here, because I'm actually shocked that it hasn't tipped over already in the housing market with the fact that yeah, people I simply can't afford it. Why has it been so delayed? It's perplexing I, me.
2: I, 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 I agree Malcolm and I, and I just hate to say it people get high. People don't make good decisions when they're high. It doesn't matter whether it's crack or alcohol or, or even 10 cups of coffee. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and that's the problem. People just get, well I mean, the government keeps the economy going, doesn't let it shake things out. And we've got way too much. The biggest thing is is because we haven't had this shakeout since 2008 and 9, they cut it short, haven't had one for the longest time in history now, 14 years. All we do is build up more zombie companies and more bad debts. And that makes the economy weaker until it starts to roll over. And housing is the number one thing sensitive. I think so. And they just raised them 525. There's no way that doesn't hurt. You can't afford it.
0: It, it, The price of of a mortgage or a house payment or a rent, is twice the amount of what it would have been yeah. just in yeah. a few short years. Yeah. Can't, can't and afford so it.
2: People are still high. They've yeah. already intended to buy a house. They went in there. Yeah. I think housing is going to drop the fastest, and that's what's going to do it. Because housing cannot withstand this interest when, here, when does it, When do you
0: think that happens for the with the housing? I drop? think it
2: hits the second half of this year.
0: Yeah, I think So you I'm might not going to make yeah. big
2: judgments until I understand. the second half of this year. Well, there's year. a lot you don't
0: know right now how they're going to play the politics side of this. I mean, uh, so it's yeah, hard but, to but make again, those forecasts. the
2: Politics is too late. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a lag. So how does this impact the
0: election right now with people in 2024? What do you think as this thing materializes with with both immigration, inflation, economy as the top top issues? How does this play out then coming to the election? You've already mentioned Biden is uh, he, he's you know DoA uh, at the end of this thing with the ele- he doesn't have a chance to be reelected, does he?
2: Yeah. If the Democrats were smart, he would step away and let them at least have somebody that has a chance. If he's in there and the economy weakens like I expect it to, that's the most likely scenario for me, even though there's a lot of cloudiness because of all this cross currents, I still think it's going to tend to get weaker in 2024, almost regardless at this point. And that always Hurts the incumbent. Joe Biden already is not a strong president, an incumbent. So the Republican candidate has the best shot they're going to have in a long but, time. Right, would you so agree? The big question is is Haley or Trump? To me,
0: right? Would you agree? But that's the this? most
2: important thing right now because so that's the agree? most likely person right. to win.
0: Would Whoever you agree that with map? the fact that they're going uh, to, my guess is now the current administration is going to do everything they can to prop this up. It's like a wounded animal. They're going to prop this up until they can just get oh, over but they through can't. November.
2: Malcolm, the biggest thing they can do is the federal reserve uh-huh. monetary policy. And they've already tightened the biggest in 40 years into late last year. And even if they started to reverse in the next few months, it's going to hit too late. I don't see And and they they would need the Fed to change. The government can't do but so much in this
0: short time. So it's safe to say uh, this thing is going to begin the trajectory up. Uh, once the new administration is in place and things are happening, things will look brighter. In, in well, our- it'll
2: take a while. It's not going to happen to me. This this could this could take a, this much debt problems that they pushed off. This yeah. should have already been over, Malcolm, but they didn't. Yeah. So it's going to take well into 2025, early 2020. That's what I'm guessing. That, that's whoever exactly gets yeah. elected by 2028. Yeah is going to look good yeah. unless you're the guy that's in that that's already in there like Biden right. when in the downturn the recession happens in the first part of your term I don't think you you survived that. I don't think if Biden happens to win, which right. I think is less likely here, and he has a, this big recession in the first half of his administration, even if it turns around,
0: yes. he still looks bad. His numbers are plummeting, rest assured. I mean, they are absolutely plummeting. So uh, anything could happen, Harry. But uh, anyways, um, Harry, thank you. Thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint and uh now let me uh, you know what's interesting about this what harry says there uh frankly is that what's going to happen next uh and and that that is what we're going to talk about next uh in regards to immigration as well because what happens is The administration pulls out a lot of fast ones at the last minute, and they'll begin to blame other things that uh, really have uh, no—the media will join in with them, is what I'm suggesting. And then you have a narrative out there that a lot of people swallow. Uh, You know, they just believe it to be gospel, and it's not. Uh, We'll we'll prove that point in just moments here on immigration, where Tom Homan will join us here. Uh, big thank you to Harry Dent and uh, HarryDent.com. You can get his free newsletter there, H.S. Dent Forecast, uh, and uh, have a sense. It's going to be an interesting year economically to see what happens when this thing does finally take uh, a fall and uh, at the final breath. And then it's probably going to be about a year, year and a half before it gets picked up again uh, with, with the new uh, economic winds, if you will, here, friends. Uh, let me invite you back to AmericaOutloud.news. Uh, is, uh, we just uh, totally transformed the uh, the site As you know, at uh, at the beginning of January, he worked on it hard. Our team did throughout the the end of 23. Launched a whole new platform here. We have new shows coming about, a new radio schedule that will be out uh, this coming next week. uh, And uh, doing a lot of uh, heavy lifting here on the network as we prepare for a very big new cycle in 2024. Uh, My friends, stay right there. Tom Holman up next, you're listening to Viewpoint this Sunday. We
1: are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talkatamericaoutloud.com.
2: World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being Above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness.
0: come back to Viewpoint this Sunday. And uh, the other big uh, issue we've been talking about, friends, is going to be that immigration. It's kind of a one-two, but in this particular case, immigration has now passed even the economy in the 2024 election, which is a shock to most. That doesn't normally happen that way. But things are in such a crisis mode at our borders that Americans now see uh, the real risk of uh, these open borders and what they're doing to our country here. Tom Holman joins us now as former director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, Also, Border911.com is a a new, uh, I'd call it a movement, actually. Tom is working with some of the best in class there. Uh, Tom, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's dive right into this. Texas is where I'm going right now. And uh, so we all right. We see the Supreme Court last week here on Monday. They ruled that the agents can remove the razor wire and all of that. Uh, And uh, this was a moment. It's actually a standoff we haven't seen in some time. Uh, And uh, Abbott has not backed down thus far. Uh, This story gets much more complicated than this. But uh, Abbott is is uh, holding steadfast. Will he continue to? Will he be able to? Do you see the Feds uh, doing something unthinkable here?
3: No, I think Governor Abbott's going to hold strong, uh, and I and I applaud him for doing what he's doing. Now he has twenty other states uh, supporting him. Other states are sending National Guard supplementals to help him, uh, and even the men and women the Border Patrol, the front line of Border Patrol, they they're supporting the Secretary and what he's doing. Because for every National Guard, for every uh, DPS tr- trooper down there on the border, it's a force multiplier. And, for instance, the Shelby Park, you know, people think Border is upset that uh, the, the, the state can arrest these people, they charge them with trespass, and they'll put them in jail. And what, what does that do? Rather than Border patrol sitting there being the welcome wagon and, and, and acting like Uber drivers taking these people to the airport to send them to their final destination, now the Border patrol, some of these Border patrol agents are being released from that area. Now they're going to actually go on patrol. And hopefully, see some of that fentanyl that's coming from those women and children's sex trafficking. Maybe catch a terrorist that good, that, you know, one of the 1.9 million gotaways. So, Border Patrol's loving it. Uh, and I think it's the right thing to do. With that. I think the, the government's doing exactly the right thing, and I, I applaud them for it.
0: Yeah, well, and actually, uh, the country is so far, the support seems to be there at least, uh, verbally, uh, if it comes, push comes to shove, it's hard to say, but there actually are 25 Republican governors. So that, that gives a pretty good, uh, a sense of what's happening here, Tom, 25. The only one that hasn't, Republican governor that hasn't jumped in yet is uh, Phil Scott, Governor Phil Scott out of Vermont. But the others are all backing him. They've signed a statement actually uh, and, uh, and to push back against the federal government in support of Abbott. You know, we talk a lot about states' rights, Tom, states' rights on this network, on this broadcast, but we don't see this uh, happen a lot. And we've been calling for this actually a couple of years ago, frankly. Let me just get to the point. I'm not sure why this has taken so long. And let me just put that out there. I mean, we can sit here today and applaud Abbott, but why didn't he do something about this, frankly, two years ago? Why didn't they take a stand?
3: Well, look, I know I I talked to the governor and his staff. It's got to be a year and a half ago. We went along some constitutional scholars that thought he had the uh, ability to do that, the constitutional right to do that under the hundred uh, uh, yeah. percent. And but there are other constitutional scholars that told him that he really didn't have that right. So I think his attorney general is looking at it, and I think they're holding out. They're doing much they can without exactly taking control and calling an evasion, because let's put it this way. Every you know, he, he got troopers out there, National Guard out there, and like I said, every every person they arrest is one less getaway, so we at least we know who they are and we can bet them. Every ounce of fentanyl they seize are less overdose death. So, and he, he spent over a billion dollars, you know, and he's building a wall, so he spent billions of dollars securing the board. He's done more than anybody in this administration. So I got all off to the government. He's done a lot, but I think finally, uh, knowing the government after three years is just not going to do a single thing to slow the flow. Now he decided, no, I'm going to take the risk. And it's going to end up in federal courts. And whether, whether he wins or loses, I think he finally decided it's worth the risk to protect Texas and protect right. the rest of the country. I, I'm disappointed it took him so long, but we got, we, we got to look at all right For what he has done for the last three years is more than anybody else in this country has done
0: Right. But you've seen my point and I, I appreciate your, uh, your feedback on that. Right now, the Biden administration is trying to pivot. You see the pivot going on politically, Tom, what's happening. They're now because they know this has now become the number one issue to Americans in our country. And we kind of felt it was going to happen this way. I reported, I made that statement, frankly, well over about a year and a half ago. I said this would be the number one issue. And I, I was right. Here we are. And it has risen now, which is really. Uh, Very rare that an issue takes over the economy and inflation, but lives are at risk here, as you just stated, and then some. So uh, what happens now with with this becoming that sort of a risk, uh, uh, you know, with this pivot, he's trying to now pivot to the Senate deal. And he's trying to talk about, well, give me the powers like he never had the powers. It's all smoke and mirrors, Tom. It's all BS. But he's actually saying that, uh, that he's trying to blame it on Congress, Right now, to give him something like he never had any rights, and like he—he's the one who created the problems here. But you see what's happening now with this pivot—is he successful? You know, because the media is behind him. The media has been a joke. It, it, does he get by with this pivot? Do you think, tom Is that possible?
3: Well, I think I, look, I think it's it's, it's election year. He, he's going to say what he can. Exactly. But here, here's here's a problem. He says he wants to work and secure the board. He wants to work with Republicans. He wants to uh a deal look he has he has the plan hr2 hr2 is already passed by the house and and will it work absolutely it'll work why do we know because hr2 is a lot of trump policies in there so rather you know so he has the fix right there sitting in the senate chuck schumer can pass hr2 today and we can secure that border uh i'll take away about 85 percent of the problem but what he wants that the deal that they're trying to push, they want to bring up to 5,000 a day in before they take any action on, on locking it down. They want to give millions of people not only work compensation and, and visas, but amnesty. The bottom line is President Trump proved that this isn't a money issue. So, and, and in the Senate, they am going to give a bunch of money and it's going to end up with the NGOs to transport these people, all the country, put them in a hotel room at 500 bucks a night. We don't need that. If you really want to secure the border, HR2 sitting there, it's passed by the house. So if I was, if I was the uh, Speaker Johnson, I'd be carrying that HR2, HR2 uh, language right over to the White House, knocking on the door say, okay, you are on TV, you want to work hard to secure the border. Here it is. Mm-hmm. We can put this in place tomorrow. That's all what right. they should do.
0: Immigration is now the top issue, is surpassed, uh, again, the economy, inflation, uh, which you, which we talked about up front of the broadcast here. How do you see this playing out now? Because the Biden administration, they do this pivot, and their people are always looking for holes uh, to be able to propagate on and uh, change the narrative. And they're very good at that, Tom. Um, and now this being a top issue uh, for Americans, their eyes are wide open, in other words, what what happens to your view? Does this does this stay the top issue? Does Biden lose this one? Does is this become his collapse and fall for the election cycle, or do you think that do you see something else happening? where they'll pull uh, uh, some other trick out of the hat.
3: Well, they're they're going they're going they're going to pull a trick out. And I can tell you what it is right now. It, it's already started. Please. Mexico has stepped up enforcement. Uh, Mexico shut down the train. Mexico is uh, moving people to the south south part of the country. Uh, they're breaking up uh, caravans. And why are they doing that? Because Mexico wants to see Biden get reelected. They know if Trump comes in, he's going to shut the border down. So, you know, the, the cartels you know that they're going to take a hit. A lot of the law enforcement and military and government people will take a hit because they're on the take. Not everybody, but much of the Mexican government are corrupt and they're making a lot of money. So they're going they're going to take up action. They're going to do a lot to help Biden look good. Look like he's going to succeed on this border. It's already happened. We're at a 10, 11,000 a day. Right now we're at moving around six. So they dropped it, you know, about 40% recently. And that's because of what the actions of Mexico are taking. So I think that is their game plan. The second part of that game plan is at the same time, Secretary Moriorgas is going to open up. He's going to widen the aperture on what he calls legal pathways. They're going to bring in thousands of additional people to the port of entry on top of the thousands he already bring into the port of entry because he's saying that's a legal entry just because they show up at the port of entry. It's the same people with, with no case for asylum, but they're going to bring them to the port of entry and do the interviews and let them in the United States calling that lawful, which it isn't. He will lose that once the Fifth Circuit makes a decision on that. So that's the two things they're going to do. Okay. Just bring more people to the port of entries and Mexico steps up. Mexico's already started stepping up.
0: Yeah, that is, that is a great analysis because we reported on Mexico. You're exactly right. Uh, Anthony Blinken has had some private meetings and his cabinet have been down there meeting privately. None of this is being reported in the media to what you just said. What you just said is shocking both. Uh, and it is, in other words, Mexico, they're in partnership with our federal government, uh, to really create this uh, mass migration process. Um, I, that's shocking, Tom, isn't it? I mean, it's shocking, really.
3: If, uh, I'm not shocked. I've seen it for decades, what Mexico's doing. Mexico does. Mexico loves illegal immigration to the United States. Last year alone, last year, almost $80 billion was sent by illegal aliens in the United States back to Mexico. So that's a big part of it. It's a thriving
0: business. It's a thriving business,
3: huh? Right. So Mexico, you know, look, first of all, a lot of Mexican uh, 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 officials are making millions of dollars yeah. because they're corrupt and cartels got them paid off. Second of all, the remittance payments sent by illegal immigrants in Mexico is a huge part of the GDP. They don't want to fix this. I mean they don't have to they don't have to care take care of the lower class or even the middle class. The United States is gonna do it for them. So look, this is Mexico has no 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 effort at all to fix this illegal immigration problem. They gotta be forced to fix it. And that's the difference between Biden and Trump. Trump said you're gonna you're gonna help me fix it. I'm gonna tear a few to the billions of dollars. Then Mexico came to the table without threats, without intimidation. Mexico's not going to help us. They, they, they're, they're, they're making money over fist on this thing.
0: Yeah. You know, what you point out there, Tom, though, you you know, it may not be shocking to you, but the underpinnings of what you just lay out, it should be a headline. Think about what you just shared should be a headline story on every publication and news cycle. I mean, it's huge. What you're talking about is I. I it's hard to even put it in context. And yet, my question to you is: Why is nobody reporting on what you just shared with our listeners just now?
3: Well, I, I've talked about it on Fox News before, and I agree with you. Look, ninety percent of the media is in bed with Joe Biden. Exactly. They have the same. They have the same data you and I have, Malcolm, but they're not going to share it because they're behind President Biden. The hatred for President Trump is so high; people are willing to lie and ignore the truth because of it. I had a I, I testified in front of Congress two weeks ago. And I can't believe every Democrat congressman that, that was up there on that dais believes but well, at least they say Biden's doing a better job on the border than Trump. Now you and I both know it's ridiculous, wow. but they're sitting there in the official government hearing making those statements. So either they're totally out of touch of reality or they're putting politics over truth. I picked a second politics over truth. They want they want Biden re-elected because you know half the people on the hill they believe in his green energy, you know, the other half believe. On, on his foreign uh, aid policy. But many of them believe that open borders is gonna help them win elections. They think they're future democratic voters and they also remember uh, Biden will turn the Trump census rule where millions of illegal aliens now will be counted in the sanctuary cities, which is gonna result in more seats in the House of the Democrats. They're selling this country out. They're selling their, their integrity out and the truth out for future political power and it's disgusting.
0: I want to bring back to this uh, moment to bring this back to where we started talking about states' rights. And when I said, why did it take so long? And you agreed with that, although there have been some things, like I said, you know, the power is in the states to be able to push back. What's kind of interesting about this story is we're now seeing something we haven't seen before. I called two, three years ago for red states to join together on these massive issues this being no, probably number one on the list and push back on the feds to tell them what they can and can't do. What is lost in our country right now, Tom, Is people forget? The federal government, they work for us. The states empower them for national security, which they suck at. They're not doing what they need to do. That's the only reason the states have empowered Uncle Sam or we don't need Uncle Sam can go. We don't need him. I mean, be done with it. So states' rights are crucial here to these arguments and talks. I reported two, three years ago, I said where the states step, stepping up on this as our country is being decimated. Frankly, Tom, I'm going to tell you, I blame the states' governors and the states' rights not taking back the power in the 10th Amendment and red states not doing more quicker, faster, sooner. They have sat on the sidelines and been idle as this Biden cabal have destroyed our nation. What do you say about all that, sir?
3: I said I'm exactly 100% in agreement with you. That was that was well put. Uh, I think the states now, as you said, 25 governors are starting to open their mouths up. Governor Abbott is taking the first action. Of course, I don't see you know the other the other border states, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. They got them governors. They're not going to take it on. But I agree with you. I think the Constitution's clear. I think I think the 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 the, the protection clause. I think. The states have a lot of power. The federal government's going to advocate the responsibility to protect the states. The states have every right in the world to take whatever action they seem necessary to protect the states. I'm with you. And hopefully we've just turned that corner with what Governor Abbott's doing with 25 more governments backing them up. Hopefully we just turned that corner. The states want to take a bigger role in their own future. And if it's a government, the federal government is, is this federal government, this, this Biden administration, i never seen anything like it. I knew they were going to move to the left. I didn't think they're going to fall off the damn table to the left. So yeah, I, I agree, one hundred percent, what you said. Hopefully, let's just hope we just turn that corner with the action. Uh, the president, with Governor uh, uh, Abbott, and we'll start seeing more action by the states. I hope and pray that happens.
0: Yeah, Tom, that is perfectly said, and it's a line in the sand, is what we're talking about. Tom, you and I agree, it is a line in the sand, and frankly, it is a point. It is a fort. For it, it, whether it is or isn't, it, it could surely be a Fort Sumter moment. A moment in our history that brings this to a head, and Tom, it's long overdue. And I, I, I say that as a patriot, uh, but as one who understands the demise of uh, what is happening to our country, and I would say to Tom, I'd say bring it on. I'd say do not stop. Force Uncle Sam to I- his knees once and for all. Th- if this that moment, let that happen now. You agree with that?
3: I'm with you, and here's why. People need to understand why is now the moment. We got over 112,000 dead Americans from fentanyl poisoning coming across that border. Man. We got the we got 600 percent increase in sex trafficking of children. We got over 300 people of terrorists uh, arrested on the southern border. Yeah, we got 1.9 million gotaways. How many of them are terrorists? This is the biggest national security vulnerability I've seen in this nation since 9/11. If there's ever a time, it's now.
0: It's sick. It's sick. Everything you just said. I mean, it's sick. And it's all self-induced. It's all it's all by design. That's what's even sicker about it. Tom. I mean, it's it's beyond the pale, isn't it? I mean, it is.
3: It is. And I've said that for two years. This is, this this is not mismanagement. This is not incompetence. This is their plan. This is by design because they feel let, 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 releasing millions of illegals in this country yeah. is going to give them future political power. Dead okay. stop. Hard stop. There you go.
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Tom, you've been, a, you've been a remarkable voice on this all the way through. Homelandstrategic.com uh, uh, is your site, but then you've got the border911.com. That's the movement that you've got rolling. Uh, how, how's that going?
3: Going good, uh, April 4th. Everybody needs to get to our website. It should be up and going next week. Uh, uh, we're having an event on Mar-a-Lago, uh, and uh, it's going to be a fundraiser event. We're hoping Trump, President Trump will be there. Sebastian Gorka will be there. We got a lot of patrons going to be there. So I hope everybody uh, gets to go, go to our website, border911.com. By Tuesday, you should see a page. Come on down to Mar-a-Lago. Let's celebrate uh, with the president and uh, and help Border 911 shut this border down.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we got that in there, Tom. Uh, thank you for joining us on Viewpoint this Sunday, sir.
3: <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Now
0: we'll take a pause. And we're going to come back and talk a bit about bringing the selection business to a head in just moments here. We'll join you just on the other side on Viewpoint this Sunday. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news, a place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. now is our time my fellow americans america out loud talk radio liberty and justice for all
2: cofix rx nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine that completes the protocol doctors like peter mccullough recommend
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here. A privilege to be with you always, my fellow Americans. Thank you for joining us on the broadcast. Gonna have an interesting conversation next with a gentleman I'm I'm happy for you to meet here. It's the first time joining me on the broadcast and that is Seth David Radwell joins us. And Seth is a new writer, as a new columnist on the platform and just thrilled to have been so pleased to be able to introduce some of our wonderfully new national writers. Uh, and, and Seth is one of those guys here. He's the author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold the Secret to Healing Our Nation. I love the way that sounds, I have to tell you. Uh, and one of the points here, Seth, is you say uh, what you focus on, and I really do like it a lot, is the common thread across all of the things you talk about in leadership and whether it's politics, business, whatever, but is these shared values uh, and your interest in American public policy, which drives a lot of these narratives. Welcome to the broadcast, my friend.
1: Thank you so much, Malcolm. It's really a pleasure for me to be here with you.
0: Uh, Marvelous, it's our privilege to have you here always. And one of your recent uh, uh, columns here, uh, we will touch on election security or thinly disguised voter suppression. And again, what you're doing is you're putting it out there. Now, let me start from my gut here and talk to you a moment about what I see here, Seth. And sure. so, All right. So what I see is throughout the COVID uh, you know, deal, we all went through those three very challenging years for the world and for our nation. Um, one of the things we've seen in our country is they started to change the rules and they yeah. did this at the state levels in a lot of different areas. It was a blue state, red state sort of thing but it was all under the guise of this is what's good for you. Take your medicine. A lot of it was quite illegal, in fact, but a lot of the ballot harvesting was done. A lot of the you know, voter suppression and things, they were presenting it as like it was a good thing for us. More people would do it, but it actually did, many people would argue the opposite. Take that from that standpoint, please, and tell us what you've discovered.
1: Well, but my overall message is that I think elections are kind of a fundamental pillar of democracy. It's a huge part of the success of the American experiment has been able to have free and fair elections. So, I believe both sides uh, of the extreme debate on the left and the right tend to over not overlook some of the facts and data and argue without really understanding the overall uh, landscape and what i mean by that malcolm is that we ha- it's very important that our elections are are fair and run fairly and are perceived as such so i believe that basic voter identification requirements like having a uh, an id things like that are important and i think security on balance is absolutely important at the same time i also think that some of the legislation that was passed in the aftermath of covid tended to uh, be restrictive in a way that smelled to me like voter suppression. So see, I think it's it's really interesting to look at history here as well, Malcolm. For example, one of the episodes I discuss in American Schism is in Reconstruction, how uh, voting became a fundamental lever for former slaves in the South and franchise records reached over 80 percent in the in the 1860 late 60s 1868 only the be 10 years later much lower because of of uh suppression and fear of voting so and we can go into that in more detail so there's a lot of interesting history about voter voting uh, suppression as well as election security in our story
0: All right now you you mentioned you know voter id a moment ago here but you know frankly You know, to me, I really thought that was like, okay, well, that's an oxymoron there. I mean, wouldn't that be a given that you'd want? I mean, you have to show an ID for anything today and everything that matters of principle. But yet, frankly, uh, the left, uh, whatever you want to call it, the leftism, progressivism, Marxism, whatever, they don't want that ID business. Let me put that right out there because it's a fact. We can't even get a simple voter ID. We can't even agree on that principle, Seth. I mean, that's a basic fundamental. I would think,
1: but we can't get the left and right to agree on that. Is that a point? You're. I think you're right, but I would. Well, I would point out that voter identification, I think, is important, uh, and it's important for a bunch of reasons. But I think the traditional left argument is that voter ID had been used in the past for suppressing votes, and that is very true. There was a long period of our history, Malcolm, where Due to the difficulty of obtaining an ID and poverty and other reasons, it was much harder to get a government-issued ID. And so for years and years, uh, really decades, voter ID identification was a barrier. I mean, I'm not talking about some of the more severe barriers in our history, like poll taxes and literacy tests and that whole thing. We can talk about that. Mm -hmm. But so I think the um, I don't blame the left for being concerned that uh, voter suppression could be lurking. That being said, I think we have to balance that with the need for safe and secure elections. One of the things your listeners will learn about me, Malcolm, is my approach tends to be based on facts and data and what I usually regard as uh, the best pragmatic solution. And it usually doesn't either please folks on on the extreme left or right.
0: But, but, you know, I don't see any suppression in getting a voter ID in today's world. I've not heard of anything to do with that, Seth. I mean, maybe that was an ancient history somewhere, but it certainly isn't in
1: my lifetime here where nobody has a problem getting a voter ID now, right? Easy. Enough. I think it's pretty. I think it's much easier to get a voter ID, whether you drive or not. Um, today, it's 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 much easier than it has been, and I think, for the for the purposes of having secure elections and the perception of such, it's important that not anybody could just walk in with no identification at all and vote in a polling station.
0: And, so and what's I, worse I, than that, though, Seth, is not only what you just said. Hold on, but it, it, that that happens. But here's what's even worse than that: is they're voting multiple times. I mean, they're voting, voting multiple times because there's
1: no there's no blessed ID needed anywhere. So the whole system is corrupt based on that. No, I think there is certainly likely some vote of fraud going on, but we've studied this a lot, okay. and th- th- it turns out that the, the the what they can actually measure in terms of fraud, and they've looked at this both at in state elections as well as in federal elections, seems to be a very small percentage. So I I also think that. While there, there certainly could be like double voting, I think for the most part, many of the claims of fraud and uh, you know dead people voting, those have tended to not not prove out to be true based on the data.
0: OK, you say uh, this uh, back to the COVID era coming through that the paper based ballots brought a new and heightened skepticism of our entire election system to the forefront and this cascade of things that happened throughout
1: COVID. How much of a problem was that bottom line? I think it's a problem in the following sense. You know, we, we are a very ad- advanced technology. We invent incredible uh, inventions in almost every field. Why can't we invent an easy way to vote that's secure for all of our citizens? It would seem like it'd be pretty straightforward. But yet, during the COVID epidemic, there was a lot of uh, new uh attempts to to collect votes. Now, I think some of them were very valid. I think uh, polling stations, ballot drop boxes, if they're secure, the mail-in ballots, I think have always been an option. And if they're secure, they should be an option. But all I'm saying is that this is something that we shouldn't have so much debate about. We should find pragmatic solutions that everybody can agree. But Seth, the debate is
0: there because they play games, the, the far left and the far right, uh, for political power. Remember, these people, these cats will do anything they need to do to win an election, right? I mean, that's the overline Well, that,
1: well that's that's for, for sure. I mean, one of the things that I've been spending a lot of time on in terms of elections is just the, the way that both sides gerrymandered districts to a horrible degree so that Absolutely. almost 85% of our districts at the federal level are safe. Now, I think I, I also support nonpartisan redistricting. So I I do you're you're certainly true that both sides will will uh, cut corners mm-hmm. but i think that i do think that many of the in much of the debate that i've heard about the new election laws following covid some of them i some of the things that i've read and i've gone through some of them in detail smell to me like voter suppression I'm like making it harder to collect ballots in certain areas etc so i think we have to be careful i think the 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 the, the right also is guilty here of using the structure of voting to for 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 nefarious purposes as is, as is the left at times so we need to be pragmatic i think a lot of people
0: i know are just calling for fear honest elections but I think a lot of these things we've
1: talked about now, they're sort of been rigged from the far left. Uh, you, you, well, um, I, I mean, w- look, in the aftermath of the 2020 election, despite all the claims, right. there's been very little data that shows that there was voter fraud and, and that there there, that there were elections that were not fair and and, and um, conducted correctly. So most of the, the elections that came out of, the, and, I, and I'm not talking, you know, or for Trump. I'm just saying that data following the allegations of 2020 indicated that there was not significant election fraud, period. So the fact that, uh, Malcolm, that uh, that a, a good part of the, the Republican Party today, um, probably more than half, believe the election was stolen right. is problematic. There are a lot of people right
0: now, Seth, calling for going back to paper ballots. Remember the days of the Hangin' Chad? Remember? Sure. Right. sure. But they want to go back to paper ballots. There's a, a sense uh, that people feel the uh, the Internet and the electronic means, the digital world, is just simply not a secure place for these. And that was one of the founding principle points that uh, upended a lot of people, uh Repo- and Republicans specifically, felt there was electronic digital fraud to a wide degree uh, with a phrase you probably heard, Hammer and Scorecard and others. What do you say about all that?
1: I th- again I, th- I think we have to be careful. Look look one of the reasons why in my book I talk about the enlightenment is you know, the prosperity that we've created in, le- in the last 250 years based on using the scientific method and data has been enormous. And we can't abandon that. Just because people say things or you hear them, you need, you need to look at the data. And I think electronic voting, again, many of the claims have not borne out to be true. So why is it, my question would be, why is it that so many people still believe our election was rigged when, in fact, the data points to the fact that it was not?
0: Well, that is a question for all time isn't it here yes. seth to really understand i think that each side has lost trust in the system and and frankly even more
1: than that seth they've lost trust with each other the left well, in this tr- country yeah. go ahead yes well trust is a huge i think you're hit on malcolm a really important issue which is that we have to have institutions that are trustworthy and establishing and keeping and trust of the american populace is fundamental and to, to that degree, I think both parties have done a disservice because they'd, they'd much rather tear each other apart than forge towards common sense solutions. Well, uh, maybe on
0: the surface it's true, but you, you, I agree. But remember, there's another piece to this too, Seth, and that is many of these people are joined at the hip as the Una Party as well, right?
1: Correct. I mean, if you're talking about the overall political establishment, uh, there's no question that as a monopoly, it has uh, it has often uh, kept the voters in in the background, if you will. The voters and the citizens are, are have to be the government is there to serve them. And and it's amazing if you look at our institutions today, how much at times we forget that.
0: All right. So you think then, a final analysis here then, Seth, you believe now coming into this major election here in 2024, certainly a very significant moment for our country. Do you believe we can have safe and secure elections? Because I think a lot of people are really questioning that. And even at the highest order, they're questioning that point. There is no sense of trust anymore left. Do you think we can still have, is there time to have honest elections right now? Or what
1: would you do different right now to change that? I believe that that we have, the election systems that we have certainly provide for free and fair elections. Once again, the data show that that fraud and deception have not been a significant issue. And I would also point out, and I, you know, I respect your listeners enormously, I, I'm sure they have questions, but I'd ask them to do more research and really look at the data. You know, one of the things that's very important to remember is that in autocracies all over the world and dictators, mm-hmm. dictatorships, one of the things that, is often one of the tools that's often wielded is to sow fear uh, and distrust of the election and institutions, open elections. So, I mean, we have to be careful when we throw our institutions uh, out without any look, without looking at the data and understanding what's really going on.
0: Yeah. Well, I would say back to you, Seth, that the left and the right have both done what you just said. Uh, They've done it very well. The current administration is doing it marvelously well, uh, and it's been done through history from both sides, to your point. So I would say that uh, I I understand. Uh, Seth, uh, let me tell folks, uh, your book here uh, is, and it it is a read, everybody, but Seth kind of plays, again, He's nonpartisan. He plays right in the middle, which is where a lot of the new writers and the big voices that we, we've we added, that's what we're looking for here is more answers, more bringing people to the table of conversation. Uh, I, I think the extremists are the ones that make all the noise, that get a lot of the oxygen. Uh, I think we need to change that and hear all sides of the conversation. Uh, Seth, uh, American Schism is the name of that book, uh, How the Two Enlightenments Hold the Secret to Heal in Our Nation. That is in yes. the America Out Loud bookstore that is at bookstores everywhere, Seth, and uh, we'll tell people about that book. i uh, looking forward to a lot of the conversations we'll have ahead, Seth. Uh, thank you for joining me here on Viewpoint this Sunday, my friend.
1: It's been a pleasure to be with you, Malcolm. I look forward to doing it again.
0: Now, friends, that's it. What's a wrap here on Viewpoint this Sunday. Stay close by. A lot of changes and a lot of great things happening on the platform back at americoroutloud.news. Get back there, share the out loud truth, wake people up uh, to honest opinion and debate and conversation. And thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.